Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Know what really sells your product or service? It's not marketing or ads. It's you, your blog, your social feeds, your podcast. These are all ways we try to share ourselves and our value and build trust with an audience. But what if you could go even further? What if you could connect with potential clients or customers in a way that's even more personal, more engaging, more effective? That's where webinars come in. Hosting a live lesson, product showcase, or Q&A session is the best way to share yourself and prove yourself to an audience. But wait, you're thinking, aren't webinars a giant pain? Yes. Yes, they are, but not with Webinar Ninja. Webinar Ninja has one job, to make webinars easy for you. It's the user-friendliest software ever created for webinars, so you can focus on your audience, not the tech. Here's the best part. You can use Webinar Ninja absolutely free. Just head to webinarninja.com forward slash Sarah, where you can sign up for Webinar Ninja's new free plan. Share yourself, prove yourself, Earn the trust that creates customers and inspires loyalty. Head to WebinarNinja.com forward slash Sarah and sign up today. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and known for her book series, Five Minute Success. Welcome to the show, Karen Briscoe. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to visiting with you and your Frugalpreneur community. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I've been looking on your website and I saw your books and everything. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. If you could give a little bit of background, your story and how you got into this space. Well, a what's known as a mega real estate agent, which means I sell a lot of houses <laughs> with a team in uh, the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area. And over five years ago, I wrote my folks first book, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. And that came about because I had many people ask me how I achieved a high level of success, particularly when the market crashed in 08. I also lost my business partner that year. She passed away. And so a lot of people would have not been able to survive and then go on to thrive. And I did. And so in the speaking and coaching and training I did with people, I would tell these stories. And the stories were sticky and memorable. And people said, oh, you should write a book. So I did. And I wanted it to be not just another real estate book, because I figured there are probably plenty of those. And I found that not just real estate agents, but salespeople and entrepreneurs, they tend to fall prey into what we call the shiny object squirrel phenomenon. They get distracted very easily. <laughs> And it's hard for them to stay focused. And that benefits them because they're always off to the next deal. And so that part's good. But the part that oftentimes don't finish training or reading books because they go on to the next one, right? And so I was like, okay, well, what if every day was different? What if in five minutes you could get some inspiration and information that will help you transform your business and life and a takeaway that you can put into action and what if, you know, you could do it in like what many people know of as the daily reader style, like motivational literature and spiritual literature have done it for years. But this was bringing peanut butter and chocolate together, like bringing a business book together with this other type of literature. And it really resonated with people. I mean, now that I've been on this five minute success journey for about five years, I've kind of become a time guru. 
a lot of people ask me questions about productivity and time hacks and that kind of thing. But the longer I've been on this journey, I now have three other books and had my own podcast, a five minute success podcast, where I do the mic swap and talk to people on the other side. Are those episodes five minutes? I'm just curious. Each topic is five. So what I found was my publisher actually is the one that said, Karen, every day being different. Yes, I can see why you want that. But there should be some principles, basic principles to five minute success. And I literally the whole back of the napkin kind of thing. I pull out a pen and a napkin and I draw these circles like a Venn diagram. And there's four key principles. So the first one is commit to get leads. So whether you're in sales, you're an entrepreneur, if you're a podcaster, your leads are your guests. No matter what kind of profession you're in, you do something to generate business. Some people call it prospecting, some call it lead generation. Then every business owner, entrepreneur, really even nonprofits, you know, everybody does some sort of conversion process, which I call consult to sell. So in the podcasting world, we actually record podcasts, right? And put them out. So the next component is the connect to build and grow because what happens to many salespeople, entrepreneurs, they're only as good as their next deal, right? I mean, like a podcast, you're only good as your next recording, right? You're on to the next one. But there's things you can do to create a more ongoing, scalable enterprise that leverage and systems and that kind of thing. And then what I found is everybody has these success principles of success thinking, activities, and vision. And that mindset and motivation piece and all that together makes a sweet spot of success. So the podcast is in those five-minute segments. So each one of those topics is about five minutes. Then, you know, between intro and the guest telling their story and finding out how to get a hold of the guest and closing out. We're usually about 30 minutes. Okay. That makes more sense because I was like, how would you do a whole episode like that in five minutes? Five minutes. There are, yeah, there are five-minute podcasts that are very short podcasts. But the idea is you're going to get each of these topics, you're going to get about five minutes on them. So actually for salespeople and entrepreneurs that are very busy, you could do it on your run or your walk or your drive to your office if anybody goes to an office anymore, but it's manageable. That's awesome. I love how it's divided into segments like that. And just the whole concept of five-minute success because people are just getting busier and busier. People are getting increasingly busy and have less and less time to spend on really anything. I just really love the whole concept. You had mentioned Consult to Sell, which is one of your books. Can you give a little information? So in, you know, the sales world, but it works in a lot of other bases as well. But in the sales world, consult to sell is what many people call conversion. So you're working with a customer or a client or a prospect, but they're not fully committed so that there's actually business that's taking place. So when you consult with someone, you're helping to do a needs analysis, find out how you can help them and serve them and actually take them through the process so that there is either a transaction or some form of business takes place. So it can take a lot of different forms. And some of it is, you know, building relationships. And some of it is the skills of the language of sales and negotiations. And and some of it is, you know, processes. But it's all of that put together from lead to, you know, closure or some sort of transaction. And then another book you have is Commit to Get Leads. And these are challenges, I guess, a 66-day challenge. I actually have all these books in my Amazon cart. I have like 100 books in my Amazon cart. I just buy a few <laughs> at a time. And then when I finish those, I buy a few more. So they're in my cart. And now that I've spoken with you, hopefully they'll well, thank you. I'll buy them soon. Commit to Get Leads actually comes first. 
And the reason why I called it commit is because many people in sales and business, they, they have great ideas and they think about, oh, I'd really like to have this person as a customer or client. But when you commit to doing it, you're going to actually do it. In fact, I loved your Dream 100. Oh. I saw that in your email. Mm -hmm. So you've put out this commitment, right, to meet these people. And you are taking action and steps to make those connections and make those contacts, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. So every guest that you invite or every person who sees your email, they know who your ideal customer is, mm -hmm. right? So you're doing a form of lead generation. You're lead generating for guests on your podcast. So whatever business you're in, I mean, I'm in real estate, so I'm looking for people that are thinking about buying and selling houses. And it, it's a commitment. And it's what happens to many people is they get real busy. They'll get a few leads or they'll get some customers to work with. And then they get real busy <laughs> and then they stop doing the activities and then the pipeline dries up and then they wake up and they go, oh my gosh, I need to get busy again. The 66 day challenge, you brought that up. So back to being kind of a time guru and habit guru, because uh, a lot of my, you know, teaching and training and my success is based on building good, solid habits. And one of the things that I found is that many people stop too soon, right? They get started and they have a commitment, but they don't have enough commitment to actually build the habit. And that's where the 66 day challenge came in. There's some research. There's a lot of research on habit formation, but Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit, he's probably the best one of the best known habit researchers. And he cites a study where they found 66 days, it creates what they call automaticity. So that means that it becomes a habit that you don't have to think about anymore, like brush your teeth is the best example. So, and the reason why they found this is for most people, the first three weeks or 21 days, they're very excited about their new habit. They are very evangelistic about it. They're like telling everybody. So like with Pelotons, everybody was getting a Peloton. Like they told the whole world, right? Or, you know, they're starting a new diet or something. And they're very excited and they're, they're very energized about it. The next three weeks to 21 days, most people start to evaluate whether they really want to do it anymore. That's where the Peloton starts being the place where you hang your clothes at the end of the night. And that is really a key aspect to habit formation because the process of, of building habits that you want for your life, right? So because truly, if you want to be successful in any kind of sales or entrepreneurship, you know, this is a, a life thing, right? I mean, it's not like just do it for 21 days and you're going to be set. You have to do it over and over again. So the idea is that I'm sure you've heard of Seth Godin and the dip. So when you get to that dip, you evaluate, well, is this something I really want in my life? Is it worth powering through the dip <laughs> as you're evaluating it? And when you power through, that generally the next 21 days, the, the kind of the balance of the 66 days, you start to experience the benefits of it. And when people start to experience benefits of their habit, then they want to do more. And when you want to do more, then you're more likely to keep it in place. And so that's why the 66 day challenge, because what I found with a lot of people, they're like, I just need to jumpstart. I just need to do something to get me going. So I was like, okay, that's where these 66-day challenges came in. The 21 days that you always hear about, I guess that's just to form the habit. But then the remaining days of the 66 is 
to start seeing the outcome or benefits? Yes, most people, once they get, oftentimes when they get to, that's why most diets, you know, most New Year's resolutions don't make it to the end of January, right? Because most people go through all those phases. You know, they start out real excited, then they they go through this dip and they like, there's two kind of people. One group of people, they power through the dip and they get to the other side and they keep going. The other group, that's when they stop, right? So that's why the 21 days, what they found is that's what gets people started on a habit. But what keeps them going through is that going for 66 days. But some habits take longer. I'm not saying that it's a magical time, but it is found to be. And it's it's catchy, right? So it's more memorable. People, again, will commit to 66 days because it's doable. They can see how they can do that. Route 66 is what it reminds me of. Yes, that's actually part of what brought the whole idea. And I was like, because I was hearing from people, they're like, I love your book and it really is impacting me because I'm remembering principles when I'm actually needing to remember them. It's such a big book. And I'm like, well, why do you care? It's only one page a day. But they were like fixated on the, the size of the book. And also some people wanted to focus. They wanted to like focus on lead generation. They wanted to focus on conversion mm-hmm. skills. What are some uh, of the best ways to get leads? I know you had mentioned podcasting and maybe guests can become a lead. And obviously I would imagine podcast listeners as well, but what are some other ways? Most people are going to want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And that's one of the beautiful things about your Dream 100, right? Because you are putting out there the people that you want to have on your podcast. And so then when you have other people that maybe know one of them, they're more likely to make a connection. And that's true in really any kind of sales or any kind of endeavor. I mean, think about it. If you're even looking for someone where to go to dinner or where to get your car fixed or whatever, that's why a lot of these platforms like Nextdoor and those people want to Yahoo. I mean, think about Yelp. People want to hear what other people's experience are and they want to make those connections. So your sphere of influence, your SOI is going to be your strongest connection or, well, actually that leads to what's called the strength of weak ties. So there's been a lot of research and this is why I'm sure you've heard of the book and the movie Six Degrees of Separation, but they found that the next couple of layers out are actually your strongest likelihood to be an ideal client because they are a referral from a friend of a friend and they're more likely to refer a friend. Sometimes people, even though they want to work with people they know like a trust, sometimes people are hesitant about working with friends, but they will refer a friend to a friend. They're more likely to refer. So that start with your sphere of influence. And even if they don't work with you, don't take that personally. You still want them to know what you do so that then maybe they know somebody who would be a good fit. In that Dream 100, I forget who originally started, but then I think Russell Brunson adopted it. And then I don't know if you're familiar with the Hustle and Flowchart podcast, but those guys, they do it in their email signature. That's where I got the idea. Well, I like your idea. Maybe I'll do a Dream 66. Oh, that would be a good idea. Well, and then you also have on your consult to sell that 77. So you could do a dream 77. Well, there's all different ways. I think it's being memorable, right? They're more likely to refer you or to think of you when they have that situation where they could make a connection. Just old fashioned way of reaching out. I mean, I've had, you talking about podcasting. I mean, I've been a little bit of a stalker. Like I remember, so you have Hal Elrod on your dream 100. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend and a 
fellow realtor and podcaster and author. And I knew he knew Hal. And I said, well, you introduced me to Hal. Several times made, made an email introduction. And I was like, I still haven't been able to talk to Hal. And he goes, well, you need to go to his event. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. So it turned out I knew somebody who knew him that was doing an event in our area. And so I called her and I said, I want to meet Hal. And she said, well, you got to get there really early in the yeah. morning. <laughs> So I was like, okay, how early will Hal be there? And she told me, and I was like, that's early. So this was before I personally took on the Miracle Morning. But then I met Hal at that event, and I asked him to endorse my book. And he said, yes. And he said, but I want you to come to my big event in December in San Diego. So that is a great way as well, because people are going to have more respect for people who reach out to them, who have read their books, who do subscribe to their podcasts, who are part of their community and seek to add value to them and not just ask them to do something for you. So that's another way how I had Gretchen Rubin as a guest. She wrote The Happiness Project and I'm a little bit of a groupie. I love her books and one of her books I attribute to why I was able to write my book. And so I wanted to meet her. And so I, she had actually come to our area to do a speaking thing and they had a special event to meet the author before. He paid a little bit more money, but I was like, well, that's worth it if I get to meet her. And I went up there and I did the ask. So when it was time to do the photo shoot, with the author, I said, Gretchen, I have a podcast. Will you be a guest? I made the ask and she said, yes. And so her assistant or somebody said, give me your car and we'll make the connection. And then for some reason that didn't work. So I knew her sister through Instagram. So I started Instagramming, said I'd been there, Gretchen had said. And so all of a sudden Gretchen contacted me and said she'd be a guest. And so I had her. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of creativity and some ingenuity and some resourcefulness. Yeah, actually, I recently, I'm assuming you're familiar with Pat Flynn. Yes, of course. So I've come up with some different creative ways. I mean, most of the time, most of my guests, I just have to send an email or contact them through some kind of website form or something and it's fine but with the bigger ones it's for example with pat flynn the only place i could really contact him was through a contact form and i never heard back i contacted like two or three times over the course of a year or something because he has a team and i'm sure they they're gatekeepers and filter then i joined he he recently came out with spi pro or smart passive income pro and it's his community it's like 49 bucks a month yeah. And I joined it not for the intention of trying to get him on my show, but once I was in the community and he uses a platform called Circle. So it's not like a Facebook group, it's some other third party platform. And I saw that you could direct message people. So I direct messaged him and asked if he'd be on the show. I kind of explained what it was about or gave him a link to it. And he responded the same day and said, yeah, sure. I had sent him a link with the booking and he went ahead and scheduled. If you go to the, someone's event or you join their paid community or something like that, where you're more likely to be able to even get access to them or meet them or whatever, communicate, then I think you're much more likely to have them on your show. So have you had Hal Elrod on your show? Yes. Hal's actually been a guest several times. Oh. He's become a good friend. I, I saw he was on your list, but I, he was really my first mm -hmm. big guest. And that was why it was a real lesson for me in a learning opportunity. But then over time became a great friend of his and huge fan. And I was in his mastermind for a number of years. He quote unquote, retired from masterminding <laughs> right before COVID hit. 
And at the time, we were all like, why are you doing this, Hal? I mean, we knew he had health concerns, but then we look back and we go, wow, that was really, he must have known something we all didn't know, that the world was going to shut down. But he, I think he's bringing back in a new format, a Miracle Morning a retreat. He's getting back out there. Yeah, he has quite the story, so I'd love to get him on sometime. And about a hundred other people. So once you get leads, what are the yeah. steps to close, make a sale or have them become a client of yours? What are the best ways to go about that once you have the lead? It's just interesting because it really is the what we just talked about, right? Not to be stalking. I mean, I'm not encouraging anybody to be stalking, but to stay consistently persistent. So the ideas and pretty persistent in ways that are going to be meaningful for that person and to provide things that are of value. So the more you can provide value to somebody, then the more likely you are to convert them to want to work with you. And in the real estate space, for me, what I provide is market knowledge. In the podcasting space, what I offer is a community of listeners with you know, several hundred thousand downloads and an email list of 30,000 people. And so those things, and also thing that also offers value is the recognition of other people that have been guests or clients, right? Because that social proof is what converts a lot of people. Different people resonate with different needs. Some people need somebody who's able to really provide a lot of data and information and help you make decisions based on that. Some people, they're much more decisive people and they are results. So they want to see the results. And some people are more people people and they want more relationship and connection. And they want to know who do you know and who you had and whatever. And some people are more stability conscious. They want to know that you're going to take care of them, that you're going to meet their needs. So part of the sales process or the conversion process is also learning how you can best serve them. Because if you are serving their needs, then there really isn't anything to sell, right? Because people are going to then, a lot of sales, you really can't make somebody do something, right? I mean, they're going to do it. You can't make somebody come be a guest on the podcast, right? I mean, you send the invitation, but they have to show up. And if they don't, I mean, you, you didn't get make a sale, right? You didn't. So it, it's the same with a lot. So you, what you want to do is you want to create that environment. And the way you create that environment of trust is by taking them through whatever it is that they need to feel comfortable or confident or good about going forward in the process. And then the rest of it just sometimes it's two steps forward and one step backwards. So those skills and knowledge and ability can be learned for any profession or any sales or entrepreneur. But the skills of knowing how to help people through that is the one that I, I think is the most valuable because that's something I discovered about going from real estate sales to podcasting. And I don't know what you did before podcasting, but I was like, oh my gosh, some of these skills are transferable, right? The same skill of lead generating to get customers and clients for real estate works for lead generating to get guests for podcasts and to be a guest on other podcasts, mm -hmm. right? So we've talked a little bit about how to get a lead, how to turn that lead into a sale or a client or a customer. And then what tips would you have on keeping that customer or client? Well, that's the connect to build and grow. And that is a really good point because this is what happens to most people in sales is they, they get a lead, they get a customer or client, they get it through the process, business happens on the other end, and then they go on and do the next one. And they're only as good as their next deal. They're, they are literally living a life on a hamster wheel. So the principle of connect to build and grow 
That is where you create scale and leverage and systems. So one of the best ways to create scale is to have some sort of contact relationship management system or software or process to stay connected or in touch. So you want to stay relevant in front of people in a meaningful way so they don't unsubscribe. Continue to add value. You want to build on that. Each one should bring you one, right? I mean, in a way, it's kind of like, I think you're doing that again with your Dream 100 is a great example, right? You're going, reaching out to you about being a guest, but you know, who do you know in this list of 100? So building that so that you know, that their referral source is a continuous stream of people. Because if you're coming from a referral, you're more likely to convert that lead. There's sales statistics that if you have a hundred random people that you make contact with, 10 will talk to you, three will do something meaningful with you, and one will convert. So it's basically, if you can 10x that, you know, do a Greg Cardone <laughs> and 10x it. So the way you 10x that is instead of 100 random people, you go to the 10 people that will already talk to you because they know you. So three will then do something meaningful and one will convert. Mm -hmm. So you can 10x your business by just those couple of principles. Mm -hmm. One, by building some sort of ongoing relationship system to stay in touch with them, and the other, and add value continuously. And then the other one is to, to 10x your, your contacting. And then automate it, right? I mean, this is classic Tim Ferriss four-hour work week, right? I mean, the audit, anything that can be automated should be automated or should have somebody else if it's not in your highest best use. So in real estate, we always want land to be in, at its highest and best use. So I always think of myself. I mean, I'm my best asset. I mean, Warren Buffett said that you are your greatest asset. So my ability to produce and to create value and add value is my greatest asset. So I want to use that in the areas where I can make the big, biggest contribution. And to take the things that are not in that highest and best use space and have it be done by someone else or automated or virtual assistant or whatever is a great way to connect and build and grow an ongoing enterprise as well. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned so many books. I'm going to put a link to all these different books we've talked about in the show notes just so people know what we're talking about and can check them out. You had mentioned in the beginning about, you called it shiny object squirrel or Oh, shiny object squirrel syndrome. <laughs> well, I've heard of shiny object syndrome. I haven't heard of the squirrel part. Well, it's like a dog and sees a squirrel and it's just like no matter what the dog was doing they go after oh, the squirrel yeah. even if the squirrel is sending them in a direction they shouldn't mm -hmm. be going they can't help mm -hmm. themselves we call that the squirrel phenomenon i think most entrepreneurs have that shiny object syndrome i know i have before and the first <laughs> step in getting rid of that is of course to recognize it when it's happening but after that what kind of tips would you have on trying to avoid acting upon a shiny object syndrome and having your hand in like 10 different things that really aren't going to end up moving the needle anyway. Well, I actually am going to do a little bit of a counter. I actually think that is one of the strengths of the salesperson entrepreneur. So the idea for me is to find ways to use it to your advantage or to your benefit. But then I would 
also say along the same lines is focus on what you want more of because what you focus on expands. Sometimes a shiny object comes up with a great idea, right? So some people, myself included, you know, I feel like I had that whole epiphany happen to me. I went down the trajectory and I couldn't see what was going to happen with it, but I was like, this is where I'm going to go. So some of it is, is good. That's where creativity comes from and curiosity. And those are all great things. So I am not here to advocate people stop doing that. But what I, I want to encourage people to focus on is the idea that their energy is their greatest. It's not time, it's energy. Okay, so energy is your fundamental currency of high performance. So what you want to do is you want to protect or to ensure that you have the highest level of energy. And what happens a lot of times with people is that the shiny object squirrel is distracting and it takes away from their energy and the things they should be focusing on. So those, yes, I would say, let's get those squirrels and those shiny objects out of your space because those are not gonna benefit you in the long run. So the thing that I found is many people have used time as kind of this cop-out thing, like they don't have enough time and this whole busy and all of that. There's an old quote by Lazu that says, time is a created thing. To say I don't have time is like saying I don't want to. So when people say that they don't have time to do something like creative work or something that would be meaningful for them, there's probably something else going on. And so I would suggest that if you're constantly being distracted by things that aren't meaningful for you, figure out why. Because maybe you're using that as a way to, some people do it as kind of a scapegoat method, you know, like, okay, I, I know all this stuff's going on and I don't really want to do it, but I can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, that's where a good coaching or mentor or accountability group or something might help you see some things that you don't see that could help you get past that. So I guess I, I would look to see what it is, this thing that's distracting or this thing that's a uh, shiny object, your squirrel. And if they're constantly, because shiny object is, oh, this looks better over here instead of what I'm doing right now. And squirrel is just a total like taking off in another direction. You're not thinking about it. You're just like a dog. You're just running after the squirrel. So why, if they happen over and over again, they're not benefiting you, then maybe do a little bit discovery and figure out why that keeps happening. But the parts that are good, I, I keep those because that's where a lot of inventions and creativity and ideas happen, right? It's those moments where you're like, I'm sure you had that moment when you came up with the idea of the podcast, The Frugalpreneur. I had spent like 10 years probably, or actually more than that, trying this, that, and the other thing, a bunch of different online business models. But yeah, it wasn't until I came across podcasting that I think once you find that thing, you know. So I don't really have so much a problem anymore with shiny object syndrome since I found my thing. But beforehand, I had that problem. And you had mentioned that sometimes it's a good thing because the greatest inventions can come out of it. And that reminds me again of Pat Flynn, where he said that he's always thinking of these new ideas. So he'll dedicate just 20% of his time to these new kind of shiny object syndrome type of ideas and 80% of his time on his actual current business. And it was, I don't know if you know of the Switch Pod, but it's like this physical product he created that holds your camera or whatever. Apparently that was an invention he created during that 20% of time that he could spend working on whatever. So yeah, you just never know. Well, that's actually a great strategy because sometimes people think inspiration happens just in the shower or whatever, but sometimes inspiration happens when you're 
purposeful about it because you leave the space for creativity to happen. Most people overbook themselves. It would be like writing a book or trying to read a book where the print went all the way to the edges. Most people live their lives like that. And so I would agree with that. If you're feeling like there's no space for you to have any energy or time for creativity or to figure out your next, that probably the first place to start is to create some space for that to happen. So I think that's brilliant. But that's where ideas come from. That's where the future is, right? Because I think it was Einstein that says imagination is more important than knowledge. Because knowledge is already known and imagination is creating new. And if you think about just the way the world has changed so much, that's where it's going. Mm You want to live into that, or I do. I, I like the idea that there's more to discover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that quote. That's a good one. I'll, I need to frame that or something. I like that. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I think we went over a lot, and I know people can find you at 5minutesuccess.com. That's five, the number. I'll also have show notes with the various things we talked about at com forward slash Karen Briscoe, and that's K A R E N. B-R-I-S-C-O-E. And was there anything else that you wanted to leave the audience with that we hadn't already talked about? Well, Sarah, I appreciate having the opportunity to speak to the frugalpreneurs and my community's successpreneurs. And if I can do it, you can too. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time today. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.